we're going to, the plan here is we're just want to bring a little bit of clarity just to our purpose. Um, then we want to share a few things that are on our heart. Some of the leaders that where we feel like God's, what he's doing this next week. And then we're going to take communion together because we're a family, a local church that is stewarding and we're joining our hearts together. And, and if you missed it last week, this started because God said, I'm here. Will you accommodate me? And it was a powerful word that erupted into what we're seeing now, which we don't even fully understand what we're seeing anyway. We don't even begin to understand. But all we know is this. We are certain that we are to accommodate God, which means make room for him, make a way for him to do whatever he wants. So over the past week, we've we've merged life groups into this and but tried to maintain the opportunity for them to continue to build relationships so we can still have our house church relationships really intact so i encourage people to sit together really continue to cultivate those relationships kept first principles we had a a fundraiser that we had planned a while ago that we had probably 100 people that were coming to and we canceled that we took the food and said well we'll we'll maybe use it for the night meetings or whatever but um I, well actually i think they cooked a lunch today for us after that for a donation for the youth to go to camp we can buy a plate of this wonderful homemade spaghetti and, and be filled but the point is we're doing everything we can to accommodate god which means we're looking at everything every nothing is not under scrutiny to say will this accommodate God how can we accommodate God and and in that I, I want to say that we look around and we see other moves of God and I want to challenge you like these are all God birthed and God moved and really I see it as like Asbury it was custom made by God for where he poured it out right it's like it's not one size fits all he's a god that's going after every sphere of society he's going after the education system he's going after every aspect he's going eventually mark my words he will go after the government and he will shake the corruption out of it you know righteousness exalts a nation and that's part of what our whole thing is that we just want to be a burning lamp giving God the opportunity to do what he wants in our midst and he's going to shake shake all that can be shaken because God is coming in vengeance and he is going to make wrong things right and so there's beautiful things happening in Asbury and we've been all talking like what does this look like here and I'm just I'm telling you we don't know and we cannot impress our judgment upon it or we will not make room for God. We will strap God down and keep him from doing what he wants. And that's why when you come, some of the most powerful times are during the day when there's a handful of people here just keeping the fire burning on the altar. And I mean, I think my new occupation is just crying before the Lord and receiving his presence and just like saying, oh God, I mean, say anything about his worthiness or anything like that. And I just start crying just like, oh God. It's just so good. It's something that's happened. I mean, God has literally shaken our community. I'll say with my life and many other lives and then our community upside down. It's probably the most encouraging leadership meeting I had this last Thursday. About 35 people just all had the same testimony. They're like, I don't know what to do because I'm frustrated at work. I'm trying to like watch the live stream and I have to go to work and it's getting in my way <laughs> you know because when he becomes our all in all and he's everything I mean I'm having a real problem in my life with sleep I can't get sleep because I go home from here because I'm peopled out and I pop the live stream on all alone at home Steph's already in bed and then I look and it's four in the morning I'm like oh no sleep Lord I need sleep because I'm sitting there and like last night they were reading the word and just there's something on Ashley for this like it's this thing on her like 
just reading the word and the word is just it just is penetrating my heart and I'm just saying man it's incredible and then witnessing like our young people like there's an acceleration of worship leaders in this place like there's all these new teams emerging like in the middle of the night they're doing their first worship sets and I'm just going like where did these people come from like he's just accelerated this is like an incubator of things happening birthing you know like you want your life changed just incubate a few days here and everything will be different I mean, it's just one solid presence of God in diverse diverse ways. Sometimes silence, sometimes just shouting, clapping. Last night, I think we just spoke to Dry Bones to Live over hundreds and hundreds of names and circumstances. Like sometimes it's work. Sometimes you're rolling up your sleeves and you're just going like, oh, this, I'm tired. I want to go home. But no, we can't because we have to intercede and pray for what God's put before us today. And that's why this isn't called to just be this like little selfish self-aggrandizement thing. It's he's he's saying, "Will you lay down your life? Will you accommodate me? If I call to use you to pray and you lose sleep, will you do that? Like will you let me burn through you? Will you let me intercede through you?" Half of the time in worship now, I'm just praying for people. I'm praying for hearts in the room. I'm I'm saying, "God, just in in tears." I just like gripped by the heart of God like Romans says be ambassadors as though Christ were pleading through you it's this intensity that just doesn't stop and you know this isn't an old technique that God used I, I this is one of my favorite books revival revivals of religion by Finney and I used to preach this back in the start of Houston but I just want to read you know, what we're in is revival. And so if you wonder what that is, it's nothing to do with numbers or salvations. That's awakening. That's when countless souls have their eyes open to the gospel, to Jesus, his glory. And we will get there. It is coming. He's already starting to draw people from all over the place. I think we have our first person flying in for this just to soak in it. Like this next week, we have camp coming up at the weekend. I'm telling you, it is not stopping anytime soon. It is only going to grow and build. I like what uh, someone said um, in leadership. They said something to the effect of, oh my gosh, we are not ready, but we are prepared. And I thought that was profound because I've been so blessed by our community. I've been so blessed by you. You are not ready, but you are prepared. And you have these things in your heart. And I've been, Steph and I have both just said, she was in tears the other night. She just started talking, saying, you know, our community. <laughs> started crying. and Because to see people here at two in the morning sweeping the floor, wearing their usher badge, and, you know, like, coming up and say, is there anything I should be doing now? I said, well, I think crowd control is over, uh, but you know, just to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, right? And just since this has started, we've had a full buffet every single night and no one has asked anyone to do anything. People just start bringing crock pots and food. They order $250 of pizza and tip the driver $250. There's just extravagance going on of seeds of generosity and just pouring out it's it's amazing and this is what's happened here this is what finney described men are so sluggish there are so many things that lead their mind off of religion and to oppose the influence of the gospel that it is necessary to raise an excitement among them until the tide rises so high as to sweep away the opposing obstacles. And that is simply what he's doing. We just said, we make room for you, Lord. And then he comes and he just floods the place and moves away every obstacle that distracts us and steals our affections away from God. And that's what we're witnessing right now 
all over the place. And what we're going to do after we share some wisdom for this next week and take communion together, because we're really, we're covenanting with God for this thing that he is doing. You know? And then we're going to just start opening the mic for people to share testimonies of what God has done in their hearts. Because, I mean, that is like the greatest celebration we could ever have as a community is to have people and let let you see and hear what God has done in their lives in just seven days. In just seven days, people have turned upside down. I mean, pastoral issues are just dissipating, like issues and sin and all the competing things that are in our life are just being swept away. I cannot tell you the things that are happening. I mean, flooded. Our cell phones are flooded with testimonies. People from different parts of the country having dreams and prayers and sending things they're seeing and sending testimonies of how the live stream has affected them. You know, and God is it's God. God is affecting people all over the world, even through this. And it's a, it's a different expression than whatever. It's custom fit for right here in Wyndham, New Hampshire and the surrounding region. We've had pastors, churches come, and they've started pouring their hearts and bringing their people into this and helping lead worship. And it's been tremendous. But I just wanted to kind of set that out there and put out there clearly. This is what we're doing. This is the purpose. You know, and not to judge it, not to say, oh, there's not enough people here for this block at two in the morning, even though at two in the morning, sometimes there's 50 people here, 30 people. It's, it's crazy. And then a boatload online. I mean, God has intervened in our lives and shaken things up and begin to pour out. And people, people are drawn. There's a hunger being ignited all over the place. I've seen tons of faces that left the church and not really happy. And they're all back this first week. Not necessarily coming to church, which I don't even care. I mean, we, we right now, we're too full for anyone new anyway. <laughs> no, we'll stand. We'll always make room, right? Um, but my point is, I don't care where they go to church as long as they go somewhere and they're planted because that is important. The, the planting of the Lord in a local family which is what the church is it's not an organization that's why like this is a sacred time for me we've been flooded in the sanctuary all week long this is the the only time like our family is together and we get to celebrate with one another what the lord is doing in our midst and we get to consecrate ourselves for another week where we get to join our hearts together and as a family of God, welcome in many to come and get filled. One day was just full during the day of just person after person after person from different places coming and just like saying, I need freedom. My, my relationship with Jesus is dry and then I can't cry anymore. And then all of a sudden they start getting touched by God and the tears well up and they're crying gets on the floor and lays down and another person comes and like it's just this place is a watering hole of transformation and people are going to just get so touched by him and we get to have front seat like that is amazing I just thank God that I I don't have to leave my house to go and and like witness these things because I probably would I have when Lou Engle came way back, 40 days of prayer, we were there 40 days. We just camped out there helping man the fire and the altar. And it's just a blessing. It's a privilege. You should feel privileged that you get to host and offer hospitality and love and welcome what's going to be tens of thousands of people coming and experiencing God. And then they go back and they take that love relationship, that burning, fiery devotion back to where they came from. So, um, I want Steve to sigh and know if you have, if we, Steph, we kind of just share, share some wisdom for this, this week. I just want to start by saying if it gets stale in your heart, it's, it's a, like any other relationship. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been married for more than a year, you know. Hopefully it's not bad in the first year. Um, but 
if it is, the Lord can provide strength and change and transformation. But you know what it's like. You don't just have this unending love for your spouse you, or, or your kids or anything. You have, to, you have to muster that up and work on it and think on the good things because you start thinking too much in the bad and, and you start getting an attitude and you start getting, you know, edgy. Spicy. Oh, that's nice. That's nice, Angel. That's a that's a Hispanic term for conflict. A little spicy. So, I want to encourage you to start to remain humble. We don't know it all. God forbid if any of you say to people who come in, guess what our church has done? Talk about what God has done. Talk about God. God has shown up here seven days ago and he's just continued to pour out his presence in a crazy way. Boast on God. And just say, what an honor we have to welcome you to this place. We pray your heart gets full. Keep humble hearts. Keep hungry hearts, you know? Like, if you do the same exercise in the gym, your muscle gets used to it. It accommodates, right? So what do you have to do? You have to switch it up. So it keeps getting your comfort zone messed up, right? Like different different um, angles of the muscle, different angles of the weight, all that kind of stuff. And that's what I'm saying with this revival. If you get familiar to where you're comfortable and you lose that edge of, of gritty seeking and devotion and surrender to God, or get your eyes on things that are happening instead of the, the one who's producing the things, right? We gotta keep that fresh. If we don't, that's when things dissipate. And, and in services, we're trying that. We're just saying, like, if, if things become too spectator-like or, you know, we're just like, hey, okay, let's, let's begin to worship. Let's focus on Jesus and begin to give our devotion to him. Follow me? Keep it fresh, guys. It's only been a week, but... This next week's there's a lot going. Commit yourselves. You know, come in some of these times at night. Like I know it's easy to kick back on the, the couch and put live stream on, but we need bodies. We have we have a lot of visitors coming in this place. There's people, there's old people coming in at like one in the morning with a dunks. And I'm like, what are all these like one night? Like there was like, I don't know eight people that just kind of start filtering in and I'm like where are these people like what in the world and they're not leading a set they're just coming they just sit there they soak and then a couple hours later they leave like just our church is this big revolving door 24-7 just people coming in Guys, I just want to offer some wisdom for this next week and just reflection on that. Yeah, I think that Sean did a pretty good job of just giving a snapshot there, a couple thoughts. But, you know, although there is, and it's really something we need to take note of, and I think we've been doing a great job of just recentering around it constantly, there is an historic, unprecedented outpouring of God's Spirit all over the earth right now. There is schools and churches and ministry and homes completely getting undone by the encounter of God in the expression, obviously, that's the beauty of it, the diversity of the body and the earth. It's not conformity, it's unity. It's all these different expressions organically responding to the worth of Jesus. That's the common denominator in this whole thing is that I keep hearing all over from all these different groups is everybody's just singing love songs to Jesus. Everybody's getting freshly encountered, not by a gifting that's poured out, not by a, not by a, a great teaching or worship, but because they're seeing him and they're like, Jesus, I just want more of you. And I know that, man, that is the best way to say what's happened in my life. I mean, I'm going to give a little picture of something that the Lord showed me. I shared it the other day, but man, I think it's just so right on for what he's doing in my own heart. And I've seen him doing so many other people. I woke up 
went to take a shower to get over here and there was no water and I was like what the heck Lord this is not prophetic this is not prophetic <laughs> like where's the water you know and I'm like going around I'm like this is not good my pressure tank the well I'm like is the well empty this is not good like what is going on and um I call the people, I say, you gotta get over here. Like, I'm not too sure what's happening. It sounds like it's trying to get water. I hear the pump and the tank can't build pressure. The tank's not getting water, it's dribbling out of the faucet. Like, this isn't good. So anyways, I'm like, whatever, life stuff, it's gonna happen. And as I'm doing it, I go to, to a bathroom and all of a sudden I just hear this like gushing water, like, like massive gush of water. I look out the window and I just see like a, I mean, it's the middle of winter. These things are supposed to be turned off. I see a faucet in the back of my yard and like a flood just going out to the woods. This thing had been on for two days straight and it drained my, my well all the way down to the bottom. My filter was filled with sediment and I'm like, oh man, what the heck? So I go and I just simply shut off where the water's wasting out of the back and my house repressurizes and I'm able to take a shower, able to use a bathroom, and I just got in the shower and I'm taking a shower and I felt like the Lord just showed me a picture of this thing that really made so much sense to me and so much sense to what I'm just seeing all over in these last seven days. Let's think of that, seven days of 24-7 adoration. Oh, he's so worthy of that. Seven days, that's so crazy. After one or two, what are we doing? What are we, you know, Jesus. <laughs> he's so good. And I just see the picture of this thing where yeah, there's been so long where my pump on the internal desire for God has been working. Like, Lord, I want you, I desire you, setting my face before you. But having these areas, these almost sometimes unseen areas where I wasn't even recognizing just the, the, the life stuff too, even gray areas, permissible things the binging, all that stuff, just life stuff. And there was just a leak going on in my life and my system wasn't really getting pressurized the way it was supposed to. And when it does get pressurized, all I've seen is it's affecting my family. They want a shower, they're getting it. When they want a douse from the Holy Spirit, just my kids are getting completely rocked by Jesus right now in a fresh way. All these things and it's like cutting off and choking out the desires for everything else. And it's not like an effort thing. It's like a beholding thing. And it's just like seeing them and being like, I don't want anything else. And this is the kindness of God that in a moment of time and space, he looses something we don't deserve, a fresh revelation of who he is. And if we don't take, like I said, there's a cannonballs into this pool, guys, you're going to miss it. If you're going and just putting your toe in and you're like, I want to see if the water's warm. I want to check this out. I'll be the judge of what's happening here. I've seen all week, all types of people come through and it's on them. They come in, they're observing. I get it. Like I've been hearing stuff and I want to see if God, I don't, I don't want to buy into nothing that's not God. And like, I get that. And then two hours I look over and they're laying on the ground weeping. I love you, Jesus. I love you. This is not something that was intended by man. Nobody's getting credit for what's happening all over the earth right now. It's the bridegroom arousing his bride from the chamber and getting her ready for his coming. Oh, Lord, help us understand what that means. Pure and spotless bride. I mean, I was just, right when he came up and shared about that, the betrothal process, right? I was reading Song of Solomon right there. Chapter two is open on my phone right now and it, this beautiful picture of just the longing of the bride and the, the coming of the bridegroom, beautiful picture of like all the right things are in there. The, there's blooming and there's sunshine and there's all like the amazing language revolving around the excitement of the season, of the preparing of this moment that was coming. And then all of a sudden there was these two little verses in there that seem like they don't fit, but they're perfect. In this whole thing of her like declaration of her love and all this signs of the, the time, it's coming closely. She says, Oh, bridegroom, deal with these foxes. Oh, even the small foxes that are spoiling the vineyard. And is that not what he's doing? 
He's coming and he's dealing with the landscape of our heart and he's preparing a bride to be pure and spotless. And guess what? There's a maturity that's rising in the church so we function and operate on a whole other level. The world needs it. The world needs it. Why? Like why these questions? I've had people, I've seen these comments like, this isn't this, this isn't that. And I'm like, I, who cares? Who says it? I don't know who cares what it is or isn't. What I'm seeing is that the Lord is preparing the condition of the church to step into something greater. We want thousands of souls that we're seeing on the horizon that are coming to the church. I believe it with everything I got. But the church is being ready to steward that thing. The condition of the church is getting ready. Who's going to say yes in here? I've been saying that to myself. I've been saying it at times in here. This is a responsive thing. This comes at a cost. It's not all just excitement and dancing around and, and hearing good things. If that's one thing we've learned in here is this is not zeal for zeal's sake. If he's up here, we're going up here. If he's down here, we're going down here. If it's repentance, there's just people weeping and surrendering. If it's joy, people are blown away by the goodness of God. We're maturing as a church. We're learning to coexist with him and follow him. Not produce him, but follow him. Come on, not produce him. The anointing comes from him. The breaking of the yoke comes from him. When we try to produce it, we limit our capacity. But when we come to a place of real surrender, he can go further. But surrender comes at a cost. Who's going to count the cost for tomorrow? For real. Sobriety. Who's going to say yes in this hour? Who's going to waste their life on Jesus? Not exciting language. That means something for tomorrow. That means something for what we choose to give our time and energy to. It means something. But I'm telling you, there is a remnant in the earth that's crying out yes. And it's not duty or obligation. It's beholding and saying, what else would I give my life for? What else would I give it for? And I feel like we can, we, we're sharing it and it's good. But I feel like even right now in the undertone, the Lord's smiling at me and he's saying, I'm doing it, Noah. By my grace, my power's perfected in your weakness. Some of us feel a big yes right now. Some feel a small. Don't worry, I'm fanning even right now the flames in people. You guys are going to walk. We're going to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received in Jesus. This mixture thing, Derek Prince says it, is going to be a generation that responds in the, to the Lord in such a way that he said, what did he You know, a generation generation without mixture he's going to pour out his spirit without measure and it's not a earning thing <laughs> it's a responsive thing come on that is that's it and sometimes we have to just allow him to lead us last night was a beautiful picture of that where we just got led into something we wanted to everybody was so excited and free and freshly like grace i'm like oh i just want that roller moment but it was like jesus like so i just want to be with you walk among you. I want to just come and look at you and smile at you and love you and just tell you I love you. And then we all just settle down and realize we can't do this. There's no anointing that we've got. And then all of a sudden, there's just this ramping up in the spirit and this breaker type thing. God showed up in a fresh way and it brought the whole room up and no one did it. It was Jesus. It's like lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Come on. This next week's going to take real just sacrifice. It's been here. It's joyful sacrifice. And it's real evaluation. Like, Lord, what, what, what can I can contribute? Is there like a consistent, just block of time I can come and read the word or pray or worship or jump on? Can I serve? We've seen it just organically happen. There was no major push at the beginning of this. It was all just response. We've seen that throughout the week. But I believe, like Sean's saying, there's more. And I just want to encourage you, fix your eyes on him. 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 The hour and the time is short in the earth right now. It is. And he is jealous. He is jealous for harvest for his inheritance for his son. I just want to um, 
we're talking about getting prepared for next week and there's a um it's it's a habitation so it's it's this long marathon that's going on and we're really good at the short term right we're, we're, we're good at the excitement. The excitement comes. You're like, Jesus is here. Wow. But as we go on, what Noah was saying, there's a maturity that has to come to us because we, we've got to continue to, to challenge our human hearts and our human flesh that's so quick to, to be excited and then pass on. Okay, we've done that. And there's a fascination in Jesus that is ongoing, but there's also this place in us that we have to keep cultivating that and not growing weary. And as the days ahead go, that's when it gets hard. It gets hard. One is just because our flesh is weak. We're tired. And and a lot of the people that have given so many hours, they're just tired. And people are still trying to come. I mean, my son just slept three hours a night for a week. And I'm like, you need sleep. He's walking around nauseous and living here. And he's literally sick to his stomach. But he's like, I have to be there. You know, like it's... It, it's a givenness to that, but but all of us as a body, we need to remember that as, as we go and we move in the days ahead to continue to keep that Jesus forward, but it's going to cost our flesh. Like we've got we've got to stay in the game serving. We've got to stay in the game and not let the weakness of our flesh cause us to bail out. And that's maturity. That's that's foundation, right? Mastering the mundane. And this is exciting, but there's going to come a day that the exciting gets to a place where it is a little harder. And then we press into new grace in God and find the joy again. It's this constant coming before and we, we get stretched and it gets hard. And then all of a sudden you're bigger and your capacity is greater and it's easy again. And there's going to be these ebbs and flows, but we need to, as a community, come into this place of ebbing and flowing into maturity and saying, God, we're going to grow in capacity for you. We're going to be the people that you can pour out on. We want to say yes. We want to be a community of yes to you. We want to accommodate you in this hour. And so it's that that combining of the natural and the supernatural. And that's coming. This week is going to be another test of that place. And so I just want to encourage you guys, stay in it. There is more. We've just, as exciting as it is, I just believe in my heart. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. There's so much more in God. And we're just, we're just, he's just ramping us up. And the floods and the gushes of heaven are getting ready to come. But there's going to be the dance of the natural and the supernatural in that. This is not just a supernatural event. It's going to invade the natural in every natural area of our life. And that those are the natural places are when the yeses get hard. You know, when we think it's a spectator sport, we just come, woo, this is fun. But it's when you have to apply it, the transformation he's doing in your heart, then you're carrying it out. And there's a grace that's going to come with it, and Jesus is going to make this easy. But we need to ebb and flow in that place of maturity, of growing in capacity. And so that's my encouragement. Do you have something, Steve? I want to separate in our minds the idea of the presence of God as if that's a thing, right? And really recalibrate to the fact that it's, it's the Lord is present, like he's here. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to that in a way that doesn't make every single confession you've ever declared during worship false and just a, a show? Like, how do you allow this to to? to impact my experience so far with God being present has been just a very bittersweet experience and it's why I know the Lord is present the first day when it happened like it was just something came on me and I had no clue what it was but I was just weeping and crying and heaving I remember going through the mental processes this like conviction is this is just the result of him being present is this just a a manifestation I don't know but I've it's become clearer and clearer it's he's just putting his finger on stuff and it hurts stuff that has to die stuff that 
that you, you just never imagined would have to. And just like, God, what is going on? You're present. And it's just like, what are you, you're just revealing every single point of decadence or, or split affections, attentions that, that exist. I feel like I've gotten a new perspective on, on Jacob. Um, you know, like there was death in life in a single encounter with God, right? Like this is a man whose name meant deceiver and usurper and liar. And that was his identity and he functioned under that, but still under the promises of God. He was still the son of Isaac, the promised one. And at one point he's running back from his uncle's place where he had just kind of essentially scammed him, robbed him blind. Uh, and he's running back and he's stuck now between his uncle who's pursuing him and his brother who wants to kill him because he scammed and robbed his brother blind when he was younger. <clears throat> and he's got all these plans in place on how to manage it. Like it's an entire chapter of his strategy and how to manage and how to appease this and how to make this. He's trying to make it all work. want to get through this (laughs) and then he has this encounter where he didn't ask for it guys he sent his family in two ways like you go this way you go this way so that if one gets wiped out at least there's one preserved and it says he just went to sleep the night and God showed up and I've read like his prayers weren't saying God please show up it was like God save me from these two things And God shows up and he decides to encounter him in a wrestling match. And I don't think Jacob found that pleasant. And I've always approached this story as like, hey, Jacob was so hungry and desperate that God showed up. And it wasn't the case. Jacob had very little God consciousness. He was managing in his own strength all the different spheres in his life that were, you know, trying to make it all work. And then God shows up and wrestles him. And God touched him. Like he received a touch from God and it was the most painful thing he had ever received in his life. It dislocated his hip and it never, ever totally healed correct. The testimony of scriptures that Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And even in the pain... With God touching him, which we always, you know, we spiritualize that. Oh, I want to touch from God. I want to touch from God. But you don't want that type of touch from God. That's not the type of touch you want. Yet that is the type that God encountered Jacob with. And he touched him and he dislocated his hip and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But even in the touching and the agony and the pain, anyone who's ever had a hip dislocated knows you can't move your body. It affects your everything. In football, they tell you as a defender, watch the person's hips because he can't go anywhere without his hips. You can make your head move one way, but your body moves where your hips go because it's central. God dislocated his hip. And even after that, Jacob continued to wrestle. He did not let go. In the midst of that suffering and pain and agony of the touch of God that God was pressing on, it wasn't enough to make Jacob let go of God because he realized God was present. He named the place. God was present. It was the revelation he got from the encounter, which was God is here. And in that interaction, in that encounter, he gets wounded heavily and he still won't let go. And as a result, in the pain, God also gave him new life. God unified Jacob's spheres in his life and brought them all together, caused Laban to be reconciled with no effort, caused his brother's conflict with Esau to be reconciled with no effort, and gave him a new name of Israel because he had wrestled with God and prevailed. It wasn't that he wrestled with God and defeated God. God's still undefeated to this day. But he wrestled with God and prevailed in the struggle. He didn't let go even when it hurt. I've never viewed it that way until this week. 
where I found such an ability to relate to that. And I've been like, God, I've come in, the first day was amazing, and then the next three days with me just filled with anxiety and dread and wanting to leave and not be here. Like anxiety, you can't breathe, you have to make yourself take breaths because you've forgotten to breathe sometimes. <clears throat> or because the internal weight of it is like, feels like it's pressing on your lungs and you're not breathing. And then I'd stand up to worship and it was just dead and dry like I was worshiping a, a steel door or something. Because in my mind, I wasn't allowing these things to be reconciled. I was reasoning, I was rationalizing, I was, I was trying to make it all work. And as I sat there, I was like, this is just, this is all because you're present. Because if you weren't present, just like it always has, my rationale would prevail. My reasoning would prevail. I would find a way to make it work and justify it and make it sit and say, these permissible things are just that. They're, they're permissible and they're, they're my private time. I give the majority of my life to everything else, but this is my time. And I just couldn't. I couldn't make it work. I can't reason it out. I can't make it work. And I was like, this is all because you're present. You're not letting me go. You're not relenting this time. You are pressing and you're pressing. And I hate it with all my heart. Like, I hate it. And I love it. I recognize the grace of God in it that he is being merciful to me. He is being merciful and I've prayed like, God, I don't need, I was like, you just do it because I can't. I'm recognizing that in his presence, I can't do it. There's so many examples I feel like, you know, Eustace in, you know, the voyage of John Treader or any other example you can think of where you're trying to do it in your own strength and nothing's happening. And I just say, God, I need you to... And it's even out of context of what Paul means, but I was like, I need you to be strong in my weakness. Like, this isn't a weakness I want to glory in. This is a weakness I want removed, right? Like, it's a weakness, but I need him to be strong. And I've just been praying, God, please be strong in my weakness. And I don't need the great testimony. I don't need to be able to stand up and be like, man, the Lord moved and I responded so well. And I just said, Lord, yes, it's yours. I said, I don't need that. I don't care if my testimony is I'm the worst person on the planet, but by some amazing act of mercy, he removed it from me. As long as it's removed. And I've just been like, I don't want to super spiritualize this, but like, I'm like, man, Jesus prayed the same prayer three times in the garden. And I feel like, and I could be wrong, it could be my mind, you know, comforting myself. It happens. But I feel like it's just been like, man, I looked at Jesus and he went and prayed the same prayer three times. Why? Why does the perfect God in the flesh go and repeat the same prayer three times and do it with such struggle and such physical strain that he sweat blood? Blood vessels were bursting in his forehead and his face and coming out his pores because of the immense struggle he was under and his prayer was God if there's any way that you can take this cup from me please do it like he desperately desperately did not want to go through what was before him I mean with all the human desperation a, a human can muster But what makes him God and what makes me not God is that he then prayed, not my will, but yours be done three times and was able to confidently mean it. <laughs> I pray that a thousand times and I keep feeling like God's like, you can't trick me, Steve. You can't trick me. You can't just say this so that you can now freely worship again without any conviction. And then like when you go back to life, be like, oh yeah, that was good, but I'll make this work. That's been the internal struggle. And all this is just for this reason, guys. Like, what's kept me coming back is because I can't imagine, I can't imagine not making these changes, even though I can't imagine how it will work. I'm stuck in this, in this place of like, it has to, and it's, 
I feel like the only thing that's saving me is the fear of the Lord and recognizing like, can you imagine what your life looks like if you said no, if you even rationalized no, if you reasoned no? Because he's present and it's that idea like, today is the day of salvation. Respond now while it's day. Right? And we can take it for granted. You can say, oh, we'll just make it through this. But there's another saying I've heard um, many times, but it's basically that the opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. And God is here. And none of us knows for how long or in what ways he's going to continue it. But God forbid we leave business undone before he's done with this. For what? We have such a few short moments of life to like earn everything God's given us to earn. And so what does that look like? It looks like this. God is present. Don't spiritualize that. Practicalize that. What would you do if Jesus in the flesh came and visited and said, I'm going to be here and I don't know for how long, for as long as it feels right and is good for me, but I will be here and it's an open invitation for you to come and sit with me and talk with me and ask questions and hear me speak to you and, and be here for you to worship in the flesh, present. What would your life look like? What would you do? How would you respond? Would you say, Jesus, I can fit a visitation in Tuesdays between two and four? I think I can squeeze you in maybe five to six before dinner. Just be honest with yourself. Is that what you do? So if you believe he's present, and that's what it comes down to, your actions will line up. Your behavior will line up. This whole church has responded as it believes, and I think that is a big part of why God has remained present. He responds to hunger and faith. Those are the two things in Scripture He responds to. And I just want the truth of this to be recognized that He's present. And if you don't feel like you believe that in your heart, then come get on your face or do this, guys. Look around and say, what's happening? Who does this? Do you think Sean and Noah are that good of a hype people? They're not. Do you understand? Like there are gifts and those are not why God's here. There's no hype that could sustain this. So if you look and you see that and you've not experienced it, what would you do? What would you do? Would you tear roofs open? Would you push through crowds? Right? I've said it, man. There's, there's just, I've said it to my, anyone who's around me, I've said it to. I'm exhausted. I'm physically drained. There's like heavy responsibilities with time crunches and finance crunches. And I'm just like trying to make it all fit. And my job as well. And all of that, which so many of us can relate to, right? And I'm like, man, I want to just go get that done or I want to go sleep. And I'm, sick. I can't breathe through my nose. Melanie can't sleep because I can't breathe through my nose. <clears throat> so we're both exhausted, but I just can't, I can't, I can't think of an excuse reasonable enough for me not to be here. <clears throat> and there may be a time it comes up when my body just says you have to, or wisdom prevails and, and the Lord meets me, but it's not, it's not this day. <laughs> This day we fight. Always, oh, even in tearful, tearful testimonies, Tolkien seems to make a, an appearance. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to encourage you guys in this, in case some of you guys are doing the same thing, where you're looking around, people are jumping with joy and spinning and, and doing everything. I'm telling you, that first day I've never worshipped so hard. I never worshipped so, like, impassioned and so hard like I haven't worshipped so hard in so long and I loved it and then the next day God was like good now let's do business 
And I believe it's because I, I can see it though, guys. This is, I just want to leave it leave it at this. Josiah's gonna come up and do it. I can see God's purpose for what he's doing. He's unifying spheres in my life to a single-minded purpose. I have been for 14 years of my life part of essentially three separate communities that don't overlap. And my attention and, and, and affection and drive, and I'm a leader in all three of these spheres. And I've lived and I've become proficient and skillful in making them all work. And I feel the press of God to say, this, it's time. Like, it's not okay anymore. And he's unifying them to a single focus. And it's a point of activation for what God has in my life and what he's called me to. And I feel that and I know it with a very real, tangible truth. But it doesn't make it any easier to do. But I see the truth in it. And I, I, I know there'll be... Uh, great fruit from the result of it and I will appreciate it and I will look back at the foolishness of why that was so hard I get it I understand you know like it'll either be a testimony of victory or a cautionary tale but God will use it either way <clears throat> and I'm just saying this my encouragement to you guys in this is if you're coming and you have that feeling and you're struggling, you need to just persevere. You need to, I feel like it's like a, a, an emergency surgery in the old days where the person has to voluntarily just bite on a stick and, and refrain from blocking the surgeon from ripping their guts open. And you just pray for grace. My prayer is that there's grace for that because God is doing it. It's a purifying of his people so that he can, he can trust us with the power necessary to, to, to get the lost. I say get the lost because Jesus literally expressly, specifically said, don't pray for the harvest. It's already ready. Pray for laborers to go get the harvest. Right? And we need people purified so that they can be trusted containers for him to release his power into them to go do that. And I just firmly believe that's what he's doing. So let's just stay the course, guys. Whatever it takes, we'll know when God's done. Okay? But we'll also know when he's not. And so we're going to go until he's done with whatever he's doing. And then we're moving on to the next phase. I've told so many people what I think this is. And what I've felt in my spirit is it's the, it's the, the captain of the Lord of hosts is blowing the horn and calling his attention, his troops to attention, right? And I've just had this scene of like, you know, when military is at rest, they're, they're off on the side, they're doing little things, they're cleaning their boots, they're, they're cleaning their stuff, they're cleaning out their guns, they're restocking stuff. But when the horn sounds, all of that gets dropped immediately and they grab their, their necessary weapons and they come to the front lines where the captain has with the horn and they stand attention. And there's, there's an anticipation and there's an, uh, an excitement and there's a, a readiness because you don't know what you've just been called to attention to yet, but you are anxiously waiting to find out because there's battle. There's war ready. And you don't know where to go yet because the captain hasn't pointed. But he's called you to attention. And he's called you to a readiness. And it just feels like this is what God is doing here. And we are now waiting for him to point. We're now waiting for him to direct and say, I've made you ready. This is the battle. This is the mission. And that's it. We don't know what it is. And we can't even pretend to imagine what it is yet. But we can be ready. And that's what he's doing. I just want to encourage us in that. Just a quick caveat for parents. Um, and grandparents and those with a lot of human wisdom I want to caution you to not stifle your kids even if it's in a good motive like your health or getting a good night's sleep you know and and someone came to me too and said like hey listen our body is the temple and you know my concern is there's people who aren't feeling well they're not getting sleep but I just want to tell you don't do it don't do it you're gonna regret it I promise you you will regret it and I've in raising our five kids I've seen times that well just as a youth pastor I've seen people who because we tend to let our kids run 
but there's been times where parents shut it down and said no you can't go there tonight you can't go to prayer and everything because you haven't slept and then they end up backsliding and turning from the Lord and I'm that's not like a I'm not trying to scare you I'm just saying like when Jesus is there ready to touch someone it's like our son has been really dramatically affected to the point where he said I'm moving out dad I'm going to be living at the church for three days turned into seven and then you know like not sleeping and me and Steph were talking like because now it's like even like I think I want to quit my job I want to just just live in this and so we we kind of talked and like is that wisdom well no not really but is any sacrificial thing wisdom is it women is it wisdom for the the woman with the costly oil she could have sold it and done something good to feed the poor or whatever she takes it and pours it on jesus feet and that's what i'm I'm saying watch that your human wisdom doesn't quench a sacrificial obedience to god because you can't get that ever you can never ever ever get your child to hunger and thirst in a supernatural way and so i just told her i said well no it's not wisdom but like this isn't about wisdom here this sacrificial outpouring of life he won't die i promise you that i won't die i'm even older and i won't die i i almost hit my chin on the counter the other night because i was it was like three or four and i could not stop the live stream and i was sitting there i hadn't eaten all day so i was trying to get a little bit of carbs in me and i was like for the first time in my life and i've studied and had to read thousands of pages so i'd pace and read so i wouldn't fall asleep this time i fell asleep standing up i was watching the live stream and right before my chin hit the counter which i was about halfway down i woke up and went oh and just started stumbling all over the kitchen the first time in my life but I'm saying, I'm not going to die. I'm going to make through. I'll make through this. My body will shut down and I'll just collapse in the presence and I'll be fine. I'm not going to die. Our kids certainly are not going to die. They are, they're full of resiliency, full of energy and strength. And my son has his whole life to get other jobs, more jobs and all that kind of stuff. And we got to let them run with their sacrifice. Let people pour out the costly oil. Let them do foolish things in the sight of men. Why? Just because they're hearing from the Lord. And you'll never be able to get that moment back ever, ever, ever. If you regret it later because you forbid them to do something like that, you'll never be able to get it back ever because you can't jump inside that person's heart again. And this goes for even older people who want to do crazy things you know, that, that are, are, are biblical, you know? You know what I'm saying? But sacrificial that makes you go, whoa, wait, I want you to think about that. There's days coming of, of sacrificial financial gifts, sacrificial life energy gifts. When we ep- operate into that place, it's just, it's a supernatural realm. And when we, we jump into it and start operating in that, God starts unloosing like unleashing supernatural provision supernatural things just i'm done i just felt that caution for parents i just really felt like some of you are like i'm concerned and stop stop let the sacrifices before the creator of heavens and earth continue let the sacrifices continue Yes and amen to everything that's been said. Um, can we just pause for a second and just thank God for a moment? Like there's wisdom and grace and truth coming out. Come on, just worship him for a moment before I say anything else. Just thank him for a moment. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for wisdom and instruction that guides us, guards us, and leads us into the way everlasting, that keeps us in the good way, that keeps us in the ancient paths that leads to rest of soul, that keeps us in step with your presence. Thank you. Jesus, we worship you. We acknowledge your presence in this moment.
We thank you, God. May your word, may your instructions be sealed within our hearts. We may not sin against you. We may not grieve your precious spirit. Thank you, God. You know, King David, the man after God's own heart, you know, Psalm 132 shares his heart. He goes, oh, God, remember my sacrifice and self-denial and how I took no sleep to my eyes and how I did not rest in my bed until I found a resting place. For God, that was his central ambition, was for a habitation of God's glory, of God's presence. And that's part of what he's doing. He's restoring this heart of the tabernacle of David, of day and night worship that extols the worth and the beauty of God. That was King David's homeland security. (laughs) That was his strategy for the nation, was to host the glory of God, to host his presence. Amos 9-11 says, In that day the fallen tent of David will be restored. It will be repaired, so that the ends of the earth could be possessed and the Gentiles could come back to the Lord. Hosting God's presence. This is literally how, as Steve was saying, we are prepared as laborers in his presence. And how the glory of God begins to shine in our midst. This idea, this sacrificial giving to host, to abide, to minister, to accommodate to the Lord. This is his strategy. This is heaven's blueprint. To literally reap a harvest of souls. So powerful. And it takes buy-in, it takes investment, it takes that sacrificial giving of ourselves. When David was finally coming into kingship, and the ark of God was coming into Jerusalem, every six steps, they made sacrifices. They stopped and just gave to the Lord, sacrificially of their, their, their bulls, their goats. They made music. Every six steps, they honored the Lord with extravagant worship, ridiculous praise to continue to host and celebrate. And there's this invitation to continue to sacrifice, to give of ourselves, though your flesh is weak. You know, when David's wife saw David dancing like a foolish man wearing the ephod, and she despised him in the heart because of his extravagant, sacrificial giving of his life, his heart, his body to the Lord. And he said something very powerful. He goes, man, what I did was before the Lord and I'll be even more undignified than this. And we're going to continue to follow the leadership of the Spirit, but I just want to tell you that there is sacrificial exchange with God in the place of worship, in the place of prayer, in areas of obedience. When the Lord's presence comes, it is a refiner's fire. Malachi says, You ask for the Lord's coming, but when he comes, who can endure it? Who can stand? It is a fire. It is a laundry soap. The Lord wants offerings given from a pure heart and pure lips. So much has been said that I want to yes and amen, but there's this one point that I just want to, to add here. In John 17, Jesus says, I've given my people, the glory you've given me that they might be one, that they might come to complete unity so that the world will know that you sent me and so that the world will know that you have loved them in the way you have loved me. God must have a united, glorious bride and it is the presence of God that does this supernatural work of love of reconciliation and unity in the body. See, love is the bond of perfection that allows us to walk as one people. We will not be able to host the presence of God with grumbling and complaints in our heart towards each other, with offenses in your soul, with relational misalignments. God will not remain. We either embrace and lean into that fire, let him do that work to burn away offense, to rip out bitter roots. But the Bible says, pursue peace and holiness without which we will not see the Lord. 
I want to say, as God is doing and challenging your heart, stirring things in you, that's why we see so much beautiful repentance happening here. I just want to add the peace that, friends, we must go be reconciled to each other. And that is part of maintaining the work, lest we grieve the Holy Spirit. He needs a resting place where his spirit can be at peace amongst a unified people that have submitted themselves to Jesus. And that means going to each other, confessing to each other, pursuing reconciliation, having conversations, forgiving each other, loving each other. And we need the presence and love of God in our heart to do that. Right? And so I just want to, even this week, today, if there's people you need to have conversations with, you've got to have conversations. You need to pray for the person and with the person who's offended you. You need to seek peace and pursue it. There's no other way, friends. Otherwise, you will feel like you're worshiping brass heavens because the Lord is going to say, hey, I've told you what to do. I've told you what I've required of you. He said, don't come to the altar to worship me when you know that there's offense. Leave your gift and go be reconciled and then come offer it. Amen? This is so important that the quality of our communal family relationships is going to be the wineskin container that can host his presence. Because if you don't, friends, when the tangible manifest prince of God lifts some if you have not let him do a transformative work in your heart by his love and mercy, it will be far worse. That's what's happened in previous revivals where the presence lifts, people start the mess that happens in a community. We must pursue love. Amen.